Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Total Experience podcast from Tribal London, a podcast about brand experience, what it is, how it works and how we can do it better. My name is Richard Cable and I'm head of content here at Tribal. As a former BBC journalist, my intention is to bring you genuine, unfiltered and resolutely editorial insights, so you'll find no product placement or undisclosed advertising here. Just fresh takes from fascinating people as we go deep on a new and different aspect of brand experience. This episode, we are looking at research and strategy and the part they play in navigating brands out of the current crisis. Joining me are two of the most interesting and knowledgeable planners working in the industry today, Roger McCurr and Darren Savage. Yeah, so my name's uh, Roger McCurr. I run Davies McCurr, which is a strategic insight company. We work a lot with big global clients across a load of different sectors, but with some pretty big players. And I suppose the way we come at things, we, we kind of use research to really inform forward-looking strategy. We talk about energizing insight for adventurous brands. So it's, it's about where you can go using research to get you somewhere good quickly. Hello, I'm Darren Savage. I'm Chief Strategy Officer tribal worldwide in London. Uh, I sometimes describe myself as a classically trained, digitally remastered account planner. I also teach at the business school at Oxford. It's normally um, kind of contemporary brand strategy. So what is a brand in the modern sense beyond kind of packaging and logos? Um, So I guess I come at it from a really broad, stretchy point of view. Why don't we start with taking a look at the at the crisis itself? So um, on the day of recording, I think we are exactly one month into the lockdown. It would just be really interesting to hear what your big takeouts are in terms of how the world has changed. I mean, it's huge, isn't it? It seems like the reference points for how huge this change is are going further and further back in time. All the time, right? So it's kind of, it's going to be bigger than the 2008 financial crash. Wait a minute, it's going to be bigger than the Second World War. And this morning, the Bank of England are now saying that the shock to the economy is actually the biggest thing we've had for a century. No, hang on a minute, several centuries. So many things have been done, which are just completely unthinkable. Would have been unthinkable a month ago. Now they're just, they've all happened. They've all happened incredibly rapidly. Economies have fallen off a cliff edge. People's way of life has been fundamentally altered overnight. The idea that, you know, we'll flick a switch in two and a half weeks or whenever lockdown measures start to ease and everything will go back to normal feels almost laughable at this stage. Margaret Atwood was on Radio 4 this morning and she was asked, you know, if she thought things would get back to normal. And she said, no, no way. No, time is an arrow that only goes forward. It doesn't go backwards. And the only thing we can be sure about at the minute is that everything's going to be different as we head through this and as we come out the other side. It's just going to be different. And we don't yet know how. Anybody who's ever worked in an industry that requires understanding human behaviour will know that one of the hardest things to do is change human behaviour. So if you think about things like, back in the day, wearing your seatbelt, stopping smoking, you know, eating five a day, it, it takes enormous pressure that accumulates through social and cultural norms before people start to embed and maintain those behaviours. And I think everyone, whether they like it or not, has been had radical, massive change imposed upon them, you know, businesses, organisations, institutions, families, neighbourhoods. And I think, as you said, Richard, I think because the 
change that has been imposed upon us is not flashing the pan. It, it's really critical that we start to understand which of these imposed behaviours become embedded as kind of norms, become embedded as new rituals and new sorts of habits. And that's why I think it's critically important that we start to do as much as possible now using a, the broadest range of possible techniques to understand what is really changing and what will that mean for the future. You know, any, anyone who's done studies of how crises affect populations in society, and you see this from commentators writing in the press and so on, it exposes differences. When things are all fine, we all kind of muddle along, everybody's reasonably okay, we can all share things that we have in common. You then have the world turned upside down by a massive crisis that affects people in very different ways, sometimes in brutally different ways. So what you get is this, you know, a crisis that puts pressure on uh, the degree to which, you know, our society, our country, our communities are actually able to sort of gel. So I think, you know, from a from an insight point of view, from a brand point of view, that poses some really big challenges for, you know, for clients and agencies trying to think about strategy. Because if you're a if you're a brand if you're a big brand that deals with you know a big slug of the British population, you're going to find that different parts of your audience are affected in quite radically different ways and see the world in quite from quite radically different perspectives and need to be spoken to and dealt with in quite, some quite different ways. I think that the whole world's just begun a lot more complicated and a lot more complex. I suppose then the next question is in terms of in your experience. How have you seen brands reacting to the crisis? What have they What have they been doing? So the first thing to say is we're certainly not working with them as much as we were in, in February. Okay, so this is not a personal complaint, but essentially what's happened: most of them have decided that the the first thing they need to do in this crisis is basically stop anything that they didn't need to do and concentrate on mission critical or essential tasks only. You know, the, the, the other thing I noted yesterday was the IPA Bellwether report that came out. You know, what was notable to me was that market research was the one that was far and away the most negative in terms of uh, sentiment for budget cuts. But I think when you put that in perspective of the, you know, what we've just said about how the world's fundamentally changed and how challenging and complicated that is, the, the fact that a lot of strategic research agencies have just seen their business disappear overnight is is kind of alarming. But the, the, obviously the anxiety comes from not understanding the landscape, the new landscape, what, what the future is going to hold. And so it feels like at a time when brands should be leaning into strategy and leaning into research to find out more and to examine more about this new world that we're emerging into, they're actually doing the exact opposite. And that, to me, feels like it's a potentially a very dangerous area to, because you could be coming out of this crisis into a world where you literally have no insight into into what's yeah. happened. And you've literally done no thinking about the consequences of those changes. I think a lot of clients are paralysed. They don't know what to do. And I think, it, it, in part, it's because of the way that massive, complicated change is being kind of imposed upon them which makes it very, very difficult, I think, to think about the future because there's a, there's a total and utter lack of certainty about what is and what is going to happen. And that makes strategic planning very, very, very sort of difficult to do. 
I think what it's really revealing to us is the brands that are starting to do well, the brands that are starting to adapt well, are the brands that years and years ago made the decision to start to develop either parallel business models around you know, real world you know, traditional commerce and kind of e-commerce. So for example, Nike very, very quickly were able to pull together content that they created for in-home training because years and years ago, and I was, I was played a very, very minor role in being part of this. Uh, previous agencies looking at the online store, the integration of that with things like Nike ID and Nike Plus and sort of the Nike communities, because years ago they managed to wire those things together. They are now seeing the full benefits of this. And I think there are other organizations who have just put e-commerce and things like that on the back burner because everything is going fine at the moment. And the people at the top of those organizations are primarily... Um, uh, influenced by uh, short-termism, by optimizing things, cost-cutting, keeping the machinery just ticking over very, very nicely so that they can report you know, gentle increases in revenues and profit. And I think what's happening to a lot of those organizations, they're fine when everything is normal. The minute you get a kind of what some people refer to as an out-of-context situation, they haven't the foggiest idea what to do. And that panic and that paralysis, I think, is seeping through organizations, whereas the organizations like Nike and other ones who use accountants who play a critical role to inform decision making and not to make decisions, I think are responding faster and responding more appropriately. And I think they will be the ones who will be able to find and pass through this crisis irrespective of what happens in the future. You know, Primark are, are in serious trouble. All of their sales have gone in the bin. And they have zero e-commerce. I think this is a this is a reckoning for a lot of organizations, both in terms of the historical decisions that management teams have taken to focus more on optimization and less on innovation and change. I mean Darren made this point about about insight and, and research, which is kind of the angle that I come, you know, come from Yes, at one level, we bring back insight. We, we sort of tell our clients, we give them our best view on what's happening and therefore what we think they should do. But the real benefit of that is that we enable action. And how do we do that? It's because the insight gives them confidence. The sooner they begin to re-engage uh, and, and start to rebuild this insight, the better. But imagine if you had the CMOs of the uh, the the brands that you work with all in a room right now, and they were to say to you, "Okay, so you're recommending that we do something different. What what is that different? What is the solution that gets us out of this?" I think I've got. I think it would be a five point plan. I think the first thing it would be to identify and assess new or increased consumer needs and preferences, and some of those things would be new goals, new things that want people want to kind of achieve. Um, it would be then to review existing work for suitability. So looking at the way your what your brand is looking like at the moment from a tone of voice point of view, from a personality point of view, and the kind of activities that you 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 had ready to go against that plan. Um, I think they need to review and revise existing media plans. So I think the data is changing on a weekly basis, but I know that broadcast viewing is up by around about 20-25%. Online viewing is up something like 550 so there's a different kind of media landscape and that requires slightly different creative work to be tuned into that. I think that the next thing that you want to do is look at the, the relationship between kind of like what the brand is promising and what the brand stands for 
and the product or service that sits beneath that and how that addresses those kind of emergent kind of needs. Some of which are, as we said before, psychologically complex because they're about anxiety, they're about the uh, the removal of rituals and ordinary behaviours and things of that nature. And I think the final fan is making sure that you come up with something that combines um, uh, behaviours and communications. And I think a lot of the brands that went wrong in the beginning either came up with a very, very sort of superficial piece of communication like the McDonald's arches that a lot of people panned. Or it was how organizations were behaving. How were they treating their staff? How were they looking after their staff, either because they were frontline or because they were firing them rather than kind of furloughing them? So I think that would be my kind of five-point plan. Now, it's more complicated than that. But if they did those five things, you would have something that you could get up and running in the short term. We are going to do a little bit of crystal ball gazing, and I know that's always always risky. You only make a prediction if you want to be proved wrong. But if we were to kind of tease out some trends that we think will be positive, I just wondered if you had any thoughts about what those might be. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, uh, I'd, I'd really go along with that. And, you know, fundamentally, most human beings are personally very positive and optimistic. And it, it comes back to the nature of what human beings are like, really, the essence of, of our condition, which is that we're doers. And people will want to come out of this in a spirited and positive way. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I go back to that that sort of famous Einstein quote, that the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We've created a society that honours the servant has forgotten the gift. So the way that I would be using kind of insights at the moment is to fuel the intuitive mind, the sacred gift, as Einstein called it, and start to experiment, start to do kind of R&D and and do that to kind of work out what the right thing thing to do is. And I think there is an opportunity for the right sort of organisations to to work, you know, to work with organisations like Davies and McCurr, work together with organisations like like Tribal and themselves and create a kind of trinity and to start to experiment and to start to innovate and to start to imagine possibilities and start to try those things out. So in, in some respects, what's going on is, is a great concern and anxiety-inducing and all the rest of it. In, in many respects, we've got the perfect context as well because it's almost like a laboratory <laughs> and we are in it. We're in this mass laboratory. So it's the perfect time to test out and try out and understand the ideas. So, you know, if there are organisations out there um, I'd, I'd love to love to find out who they are and, and, and go and work with them because those will be the ones that will will come out of this um, flourishing. I think not just surviving and the organisations that sit there and are paralysed and do nothing, uh, they're finished. That's it for this episode of the Total Experience Podcast from Tribal London. I hope you found it useful and interesting. What's more, we'd love you to get involved and to let us know how we're doing and the sort of things you'd like us to cover in future episodes. So please feel free to get in touch, like, share, subscribe, and of course, rate the podcast. Every little helps. I've been Richard Cable. Thank you for listening. Stay home and stay safe.